Thank you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. So, so how's everybody doing this morning? Awesome. It's always, always good to be in the house. Good to have you with us. Um, my name is Mark. My wife and I serve as the lead pastors here. Um, and I just want to do one quick thing real fast. If you are in junior high, we do have our junior high class this morning. So if you're in junior high, go ahead and stand up and head on down. Church, can we just give it up for our junior hires? How awesome they are. Amen. Also, uh, welcome back. Welcome back to, to, to you all who are in the room because last week we were in the yard. So um, welcome back. I want to say thank you to everybody who, um, who served, who helped out, who, who was just a part of that, that, that fun time. We have heard your numerous requests. Stop sending your emails. We're working on doing another one later on in the summer. So uh, we, we, if you missed it, we'll, we'll, you'll have a chance to maybe do one again um, if you're good enough. Um, the other, the other welcome back is, uh, is to our, our online people. Uh, welcome back. We, in, in two ways. One, we weren't able to stream last week because yard. Um, and we're just not tech savvy enough to figure that out. So uh, we, we weren't able to live stream last week. Uh, but also, uh, John Prouty, uh, one of our elders and, and, and serves over our, our worship ministry here, spent the entire week here. You guys don't realize this because you're here. Um, but set, set up new cameras. We have a whole new system. It's been, it's been a few weeks and months in the making, uh, and our online people have had to kind of put up with um, subpar. Can we just leave it at that uh, for, a few, for a few weeks? And now it is up and running, and we're working stuff out. So everybody say hi to all the people at home. Just hoop and holler real fast. Um, so that's up and running, and, and uh, we're excited about all that. So thank you, John, for all your work, all your hard work. Um, it is much appreciated. Amen? Awesome. Uh, enough, enough yakking. Let's let's jump into the word. We got a lot to cover this morning, and that worship leader took way longer than he was supposed to in worship. So um, now I have to I have to pretend like I want to rush, but I'm not going to. Um, if you got your Bibles, let's go to John chapter 15. Shocker there, chapter one. We're getting all, all the way again to verse 17, uh, and let's go ahead and stand to our feet for the reading of God's word. Happy Fourth of July weekend, by the way. Good to be in the house on the 4th of July. Those of you who are here get an extra gold star. Those of you who are watching this later, neener, neener. <laughs> Jesus speaking to his disciples here, John chapter 15, verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friend. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Let's pray together this morning, church. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for, the, for, for your written word given to us to teach us to tune our ears to hear your voice. I thank you that as your sheep, you promise that we will hear and know your voice. So we ask for that supernatural thing this morning, Lord, where you, where you tune our ears to hear your whisper in the midst of your word. That as we, as we set our, our attention and our affection upon you, we would, we would receive from you. We would hear from you. We would, we would know your goodness toward us in speaking to us. And let us, let us respond, Lord, to your word. Let us rejoice at the hearing of your word. Oh, that we would be a people that would rejoice at the promise, not at the fulfillment of the promise. That we would not wait until the fulfillment, but we would rejoice now for the promises you've made. We would rejoice now in that which you have spoken to us. Let us be responsive people, Lord. Yes, let us respond with our minds as we, as we, as we meditate and process and, and agree with and therefore respond. Let us do that. But Lord, I'm, I'm asking even for a, a, a faster, a quicker, I would even say a deeper response, Lord, where, where deep cries unto deep and our spirits respond to your spirit, even, even sometimes, yes, Lord, bypassing even our own understanding of it. Let us be responsive to that which you would whisper to us. Let us be doers of your word. Not just hearers. Let us be doers, God. Not just understanders. Doers. That you might be glorified in your people. That the world might see you as glorious and good. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Come on, everybody said? Amen. Greet somebody around you real fast and grab your seats.
Amen, amen, amen. We're going to go ahead and, and jump in. If you're taking notes this morning, and I hope you are, I um, hope, you're, hope you're taking what's being taught here and, and not just kind of running with it, but digesting it, taking some time to really let it dive deep. Uh, we've been talking lately a lot about how it's not, it's not just the, the truth, it's not just the reality, it's not just the revelation that, that comes to our, 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 our mental thinking. Come on. It's actually that which gets deep down within us, down into our innermost being. I, I like to refer to that as our gut. Right? I mean, in, in, in our modern Western world, we say into our hearts, but biblically, it's, it's gut thinking. And actually, I was actually reading an article this week about how more and more and more, and those of you who are hippies in the room know this, uh, more and more <laughs> hippies just hooped. Okay, that's different. Um, uh, but, the, but, but the more research they do, the more they're finding out that you actually do have two brains. That, that you think in, in your mind, but that our, our guts actually have a lot, of, of, a lot to do with how we process and how we think and how we perceive. And, 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 and what I find so interesting is that, that what, they're, what the, the article I read this week actually is saying is what they're realizing is that much of our, our instantaneous responses, what we often will call a gut response, believe it or not, it comes from your guts. Um, and, and, so, and so we've been trying to saturate in some things and try to test something out here is, is, is how can I say this? What I've been trying to, th- to find out is how long do we have to stew in something for it to get down into our gut? How, how long does it take? Uh, I mean, you can hear something once and maybe remember part of it. You can hear something several times and maybe memorize the whole thing, but I'm not just interested in information transfer. Well, we have to get down deeper to where, come on, not just our, our, our head brain is, is retooled and reshaped and re, remade, but deep down into the fiber of who we are. Come on. On, a, on what I want to call a, a subatomic level, we have to be rearranged. So we've been stewing in this John 15 for a while to hypothesize about this, and so far it takes a little over a year. Um, so if you're taking notes, I want to talk to you this morning about being beloved, about being Beloved, I want to I want to quickly uh, just recap here, real fast, the first eleven verses. We've we've touched as you've been tracking with us. You know this part. We've, we've kind of covered this. I'm I'm honestly not going to spend a lot of time here. Uh, just summarizing what Jesus said. Here's the way I've been saying it: is that you are a branch abiding in the true vine, cared for by the vine dresser, destined to bear much fruit. Again, always want to make sure I'm clear about this. Jesus is speaking. Jesus is speaking exclusively to his followers in this moment. This is not a general statement to a general audience. This is a specific statement to a specific audience. Jesus is speaking to, as far as we know, the only people we know that that are there are his 11 disciples. Judas is already off doing his thing. He's got his 11 disciples, those, those people who have been called to follow him as rabbi. We've learned this, right? You, you, you were called by a rabbi to be with him so that you can be like him. So these are the people that are with him so they can be like him. And he's, he's trying to explain to them on, on, come on, on a deeper level what this rabbi-disciple relationship really is. So he says they're a, true, they're a branch abiding in the true vine, cared for by the vine dresser who is his father. And because of that relationship, because of, of, of that relationship, the relationship that the vine and the vine dresser have and that we have as a branch in the vine, between the vine and the vine dresser, our destiny, and I use that word on purpose, our predetermined destination is fruitfulness. That, that is what's going to happen. As long as we abide, he says. We define abide, the Greek word meno, 
To abide is to rest and remain in the life-giving union and intimacy of mutual indwelling. You in me, I in you. If that's happening, he says, fruitfulness is on its way. We remain in a restful receiving. Can I say it that way? That's abiding. To, to remain in a restful receiving. And then I, I love the way we see it here. It goes from no fruit to some fruit to more fruit to much fruit. Not as, listen, listen, not as we get better at bearing fruit, but as we just simply abide. As we just rest and remain in that life-giving union. And Jesus specifically here tells us one specific way that we are called to abide. He says in verse 9, we'll go back to the Bible. It's good to go back to the Bible, amen? As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my... Come on, abide in my... He's calling us to abide in his love. To rest and remain and receive from his love. To rest and remain in his love continually, constantly, without, without coming and going. No, no, we just, we learn to live constantly as an object of his affection. But, but how many of us want to admit that it's not the last part, abide in my love, that's the scandalous part of that verse. It's the first half. It's so scandalous, and I'm going to be totally honest, I, I even read through several commentaries that just skip over that part of the verse. Because because you you think it means something in the English and then you like like that can't mean that so you look at it in the Greek and you go oh snap it really means what it means it really means because see see when he says as the Father has loved me so have I loved you that word as I have to really pronunciate this morning or else I'm gonna get emails I'm just I'm only saying one s as. Welcome to English. Kathos is the Greek word. It means with, with the same measure and degree. Here's how I, would, how I would define it, right? With the same quality and quantity. So I'm going to give you a minute and just let that bake your noodle for a second. Jesus just said, as the Father loves me is how I love you. Jesus loves you with the same measure and to the same degree that the Father loves Jesus. How's your day? <laughs> Jesus loves you. He, he's saying that you, 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 you are to receive from him the same love, the same measure, the same, the same quality of love, the same quantity of love that he is now currently receiving from the Father, you are to receive from him. Not a, not a lesser than, not a, not a, a smaller portion. That this is, this, listen, this is not that, the Happy Meal version. This is the full-on, supersized, all-you-can-eat version. He says, I, I love you to the same degree, the same quality and the same quantity, I love you just like the Father loves me. You, you are the recipient, listen, listen, you are the recipient of perfect, 
perfect love. You are the recipient of supernatural love. You, you are the recipient of, 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 of divine love. Y'all are not hearing this. You are the recipient of Trinitarian love. I'll help you out. Last, look, if you don't get it. You are the recipient you, you, of extraterrestrial love. You are the recipient of a love that is not like any love you have ever experienced in your life. You are the object of that type of affection. And, and here's, here's, where, here's where it gets even, even weirder to me. Jesus loves you this way freely. Verse 16. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I started this, he said. So we, we've got to get a hold of what it means when we, when we say freely. What, what do we mean? What I'm saying is this. Jesus loves you, listen, without cost, without cause, and without caution. Jesus loves you without cost, without cause, and without caution. That's what I take him as saying when he says, you didn't pick me, I picked you. Remember, this is still a rabbi-disciple thing, amen? Jesus came and said, follow me. This is, this is not a like, this is not, oh, I'm going to get some emails. This is not what gets presented, come on, at, at evangelistic crusades. Pick Jesus and all your wildest dreams will come true. Anybody else hear that one at youth camp? Right, like, well, if you just, you know, because it's, it's this, it's, and I get the heart behind it. I'm even going to admit that maybe once in a while I preach something that could have been taken like that when I was preaching at youth camps. Right, because we say, like, my life was horrible, my life was awful, and then Jesus stepped in, and now my life's better. And, and the problem is that, that if that's not married to the idea that Jesus is the one seeking us, then all of a sudden we go, like, I'll pick Jesus now, and maybe later I won't pick him. But Jesus loves us without cost, without cause, and without caution. Let's, let's, let's try to unpack this. Jesus loves you without cost. That is, without requiring payment from you as the recipient. Now, did Jesus make a payment? Amen, yes, absolutely. But when we're talking about his love is, is given freely, what we're saying is that you as the recipient are not required to make a purchase, to make a payment. There's no, there's no expectation that you're gonna somehow earn or achieve his love. There's, there's, let me say it this way. There's no upfront deposit. We don't live like that, though. Come on, come on, how, come on. Let's let's get it's it, let's get real. We're we're having a family meeting this morning. Let's just let's be a family. We don't live like he loves us freely, and we should uh, without cost, right? And and no no payment, no down payment, no 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 upfront cost. We we don't live continually, constantly because we think there's a cost to live in his love. Well, see, he, 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 I used to be able to abide his love, but then I messed up. I, I zigged when I should have zagged. I turned left when I should have turned right. I, I went straight when I should have backed up. And so now we think God's up in heaven going like, okay, if you cry enough, I'll love you. If you say you're sorry and you really mean it, how about put this one on? Did you, anybody, uh, anybody else wear, own this, this t-shirt? Don't mess up for a couple days. Don't do it again. 
then I'll love you. That just, is that just in my journal? Nobody else wrote that one down? We're like, okay, well, you know, okay, it's, I screwed up on Wednesday, but it's Thursday, so if I'm good from here until Sunday, I'll get to, I'll, I'll get to feel his love. You wanna, you wanna, let's get, let's, let's, let's get a real confession. I used to think, back, back when I was still obsessed with, with, with systems and structures and calendars and clocks and, 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 and nickels and noses in the church, I used to, we, we, I used to be privy to the, 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 the head count on a Sunday. Just real clear, I don't think there's anything wrong with counting heads on a Sunday, right? I don't think there's anything wrong with kind of know what's going on and know where people are. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't know it anymore, not because I, I, I can't handle knowing it. I don't know anymore because um, if y'all haven't figured this out yet, I don't care. Okay? But I used to think that attendance would go down when I sinned more. You know, because that's how big of a deal I am in the church. God's like, I would have let people get saved this week, but you were mean. You compared yourself to somebody else. I don't like it when you do that. I've told you I don't like it when you do that. There's, there's no, listen, there's no upfront cost. You're loved. You're loved. Freely, you're loved. On your best week, you're loved. On your worst week, you're loved. In your worst moment, you're loved. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not standing up here telling you in your worst moment you're abiding in his love. I'm saying whether you, whether you want to know it or not, you are still the object of his affection. The problem with this, and the reason I'm harping on this, is because there's a religious spirit behind this, and I'm gonna, I'm, if I didn't get emails before, mark at sozospokane.org. This theology, this thinking about God, literally makes Jesus into a prostitute. One of the most gross perversions of intimacy there is. It literally says Jesus will only love you if you pay him. You, you got to pay him. You have to, you have to, you have to somehow up front, come on, if you, if, you want, if you want him to show up, listen, listen when, when we invite people to come up and, hey, the, the, the floor is open, worship Jesus, it's in response to his love, not to earn his love. If you thought you needed to get out of your seat to come forward to earn his love, get your butt back in your seat. This is not a space for you to earn his love. It comes without the requirement of payment to the recipient. You are loved. He loves you without cost. I love this one. He loves you without cause, without requiring a reason. He loves you. Okay, this big theological moment. You ready? Big theological moment. He loves you because he loves you. Loves you because he loves you. He loves you because he loves you. Not because, listen, not because you're lovely. Not because you're lovable. And here's one for the progressives in the room. Not because you're unlovely. He loves you because he is, 1 John tells us, perfect love. And perfect love demanded an object and he picked you. Without cause. If, if without cost is about, is about earning or achieving, without cause is about meriting. He didn't pick you because he's like, well, you know, 
because here's the theology I, 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 was, I was exposed to when I was younger. Well, God picked you because he looked down the corridors of time and he knew what you would do in the future, and so he picked you so that that way you could do all those things for him. Like, like, like he's some kind of master investor and he knew your stock was going to go up. <laughs> can, can I propose to you that your stock added to the divine portfolio was not a, a net gain for him? wasn't like, oh, that's a, that's a, that's a wise investment. I'm, I'm, I mean, come on. I'm so grateful that somebody thought I was a wise investment when I was not. He, he loves you because he loves you without cause. Why, why, do, you, why do you love me, Lord? Because I do. Because I do. It's not because of a past cause. It's not because of a present cause. But what do I mean by that? It's not a past cause. It's not a present cause. There's a theology floating around in one of the camps that I live in. I won't name it, but reform people think (laughs) that you're hated by God until you repent and then you're loved by God. And, 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 and it's covered up right now, but I have a tulip on my arm. I'm team reform. Okay. So just walk with me for a second. The problem with that theology is this, that means you change God. And my Bible says that there is not even a speck or a shadow or a, 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 a capacity within him to change. And, and Romans 2, 4, by the way, says that you couldn't possibly repent without his kindness. So, so what we've got to understand is when the Bible says that apart from him we are enemies of God, that's not because of his disposition, it's because of our disposition. So why does his kindness lead us to repentance? Because, because in our rebellious, stupid selves, come on, apart from him, we see his goodness and we go, wait, why am I fighting this guy? All he's ever done is good. All he's ever made is good. All he's ever done for me is good. All he's ever given me is good. I, I've, I've, said, this, I've said this a few times, but I want to make sure we get this. I love the picture of when we, we get to see into heaven and we see angels encircling God. They're, they're flying all around him. And all they say is holy, 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 worthy, worthy, worthy. Can I, can I put that in another way? He's good all the way around. I say that because some of us still think God has a bad side. Well, you don't want to get on God's bad side. Here, here's, here's, I'm going here, to here, just... Here's my cards. If God had a bad side, I would have been on it already. And so would you. He doesn't have a bad... Both sides of God's bed are good. You don't got to worry like, did God get up on the wrong side of the bed this morning? No, both sides are right sides. There is no, there's no bad, there's no unholy part of God. So we don't change him he changes us. I love the way the Passion translates uh, Romans 2.4. It says that the loving kindness of our Heavenly Father melts hearts. Can I, can I, can I, let, can I let you in on a, on a preacher secret? I've watched it happen at altars. I, I talk about youth camps, and I usually rag on them, but, but there's some amazing things that have happened to me at youth camps. I, I remember one night giving a very specific altar call, in, and I, I watched as like, a couple different young men came forward and they came forward literally resisting every step all the way up. 
know what I'm talking about? I mean, they came up like, mm. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you suck. And they just kept, they got angrier and angrier as they came forward until they got to the altar and the love of God hit them and they land on their knees and they weep and they cry and they were, listen, I knew them before that. I knew them for years after that. They were a different person. I literally remember one of, at this specific youth camp, I literally remember one of their dads coming to me and going like, what'd you do with my son? I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, I sent you my son. He went to camp and somebody else came home. It's like, well, what do you mean? He's like, he's respectful. He cleans his room. He still sucks at school, but he doesn't argue with me about going. <laughs> what happened? He was transformed by the love of God. Well, I just thought salvation was about not going to hell. Here, I'm here to tell you something. His dad no longer has to go to hell when he raises him, right? Like, heaven has come. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's seeing his kindness. It's seeing his goodness. Jesus doesn't love you for what he can get out of it, which leads nicely to this next one. And this one might be the most shocking to me, if I'm going to be totally, totally honest. He loves you without caution. That is without requiring a guarantee. He, he's, what I mean by this, he's not saying like, well, I will love you if you promise to love me back. This, this, is, <laughs> this is not an arranged marriage. Anybody ever met anybody? I had, I had friends growing up that their, their culture, they, they, they moved to uh, the city we were living in from, from uh, a Middle Eastern country where marriages were still arranged. In fact, funny story, uh, they actually approached my parents to try to arrange me to their daughter when we were like eight. <laughs> Praise Jesus, that is not the case. My parents said no. <laughs> but I remember, I remember going back and visiting as a young teenager, and I went to their house, and we had dinner there, and, and I, I asked the wife, I said, like, so you, you, you really, like, you just didn't know each other, and then, like, just married? It's like, yeah. So how can you do that? And she, she talked a lot, but I won't get into this, talked about how she, she loved and trusted her dad. So she knew that he, he would, he would do right for her. So that was part of it. But, but she, I said, well, did, do you, I said, I don't mean to be rude, but do you love him? And she said, I didn't, but I have grown to love him. I've gr Listen, here's what I'm telling you. That's not the way Jesus marries you. Well, you, you, you go ahead and marry, I'm going to marry you and you'll, you'll grow to love me. No, no, no. He wins your affection. Come on. He loves you without, without caution. He's not, he's not going into this like holding back a few, a few chips, you know, in case this thing doesn't really work out. He, he, doesn't, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't have an apartment still. In case, in case your marriage with him doesn't work out, he can just move back to his own apartment. He loves you without caution. This is why this is so scandalous to me. He loved our first parents without caution. And how did that work out? They rejected him. They rebelled against him. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I believe they hurt him. If you're going to stand up here and try to tell me that, that, that humanity rebelling against the goodness of God did not break the heart of the Father, I'm going to tell you, you don't know the heart of the Father. If, if, if the same God is being demonstrated to us in Jesus, who at the tomb of Lazarus wept, what did the Father do? What, what did God do at the moment of humanity's fall that would lead to all of humanity dying? 
You're not going to convince me he didn't weep. You're not going to convince me that didn't hurt the heart of God. And yet, even with a track record of consistently going against because here's, here's the truth. Like, we, we, in our first parents, God does nothing but good, rebellion and rejection. So then God, like, fast forwards a little bit and picks another family and says, okay, Noah, you're my guy. And then what is Noah rejection rebels against God again? Right? Like, he, he spends all that time in the ark. He saves everybody. And the first thing he does after he gets out of the ark, makes a vineyard, brews himself some wine, gets so hammered he's running around naked. I don't know what rejecting and rebelling God looks like exactly, but I think that's in the ballpark. He picks Abraham. He picks, he picks the nation of Israel. And what, what, is, what is the vast majority of the Old Testament trying to show you? That, that left to our own devices, we will reject and rebel. Humanity's track record up until Jesus is rejecting and rebelling against God. And yet Jesus says, I love you without cause. I love you without caution. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not using it as an excuse that I've been hurt before, so I don't have to love. Because Jesus knows, again, it's only his love that's going to transform our hearts to change us, listen, from rebellious and, 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 and rejecting him to making us redeemed, to making us reconciled, to making us reclaimed, to ultimately, ultimately, ultimately making us righteous. That's what he did. You are not, if you are a branch in the vine, you are not rebellious, you are not rejecting God, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Full stop, period, no explanation, no, 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 no little asterisk needed. I'm just reading the Bible to you. He became sin, and to the same degree he became sin, you became the righteousness of God. So you're not that anymore. But when you weren't that, he still loved you. You're still the object of that love. Without fear of rejection, without fear of failure, without fear of hurt or disappointment, he loves you. I love the fact, John 15, 15, the last part, he says, all that I've heard from the Father, I've spoken to you. I'm not holding anything back. There, there's, a, there's an open flow here. But here, here's where it gets interesting. Here's where it gets interesting. Go back to the Bible. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Abide in my love. Verse 10. Next verse. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. I'm going to review the last time we were in John together really, really fast, just where we landed. We saw this, the word commandment or, or command is etole. Everybody say etole. etole. I love it. It's a, it's a great Greek word, etole. It literally means the instructions of God, the instruction of God. So if you go back to, um, I've got a Rolodex back. Uh, Exodus 34, 28, if I'm not mistaken. Exodus 34, 28, 
you have the, the Ten Commandments given. And literally, in, in, if you read the ESV, it'll say like the Ten Instructions or the Ten Words of, G, of, of, of God. This idea of commandment is the idea of these are his words. See, the temptation is to hear this as Jesus saying, okay, it's time to shift now. You've, 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 you've rested, so now that you're done resting, let's get to work. Here's some commandments. Here's a, here's a to-do list now. Now that you've done the resting thing, now it's time to get up and get to work. But the problem is, abiding isn't resting. It's remaining in a restful receiving. It never ends. So, so, so this can't be Jesus shifting gears to giving us a to-do list. Now that you're good and rested up in that whole abiding thing, get up and get, get, to, get, you know, get, to, get going. That's, that's not what Jesus is saying. To abide is, is to remain in a restful receiving, and we receive, we saw this the last time we were together, through his word, through him speaking to us. This is, this is the way that, that, that the power, what I mean by power, the authority and the ability comes to us through his word. And his commands are his word. Are you, are you tracking with me? He said, he said that we were clean by his word that was Logos. By the revelation of Jesus, we are cleansed from our deception, and therefore we are cleansed from our sin. In his, in his, in his, in his, in his rhema word, his, his, his spoken word to us, we are convinced that we are ultimately righteous. That's his declaration over us. And in his command, we are set free to do that which he has called us to do. Not, listen, listen, not in our own strength, but by abiding. We don't stop abiding. We continue to abide, and, and if you want to know what continuing to abide looks like, it looks like receiving and responding to his instruction. Etole imparts power, which is authority and ability. I, bad analogy, bad analogy, bad analogy. His, his word gives us those two things. I need you to get authority and ability, Right? A police officer has a badge which gives him authority and a taser which gives him ability. There's, a, there's an officer who, who goes to our church here. He's not here today. Everyone can calm down. Um, and I love it. He, 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 he calls his, his belt his cheater belt. Because if, if somebody's trying to do something, trying to hurt somebody, I'm going to win the fight because I have a cheater belt. Tools to, what is that? That's his ability. He has the authority in the book. What I'm telling you is the instruction of Jesus gives you both. The authority to do what he's called you to do and also simultaneously the ability. Not within your own strength, but within his. He imparts that authority to us through his instruction. So what then is his commandment? I want, I want to receive that commandment then. If, if he says, right, in, in verse 10, if you... It'll get there. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Okay, who wants to abide in his love? That's not a rhetorical question. Who wants to abide in his love? Okay, well then, then if, we, if we go fast forward to verse 12, we'll see where it says this. This is my commandment that you... Go ahead, read the rest. Come on. This is my commandment that you love one another... As I have loved you. What is the word right before I have? You go ahead and say it. 
as. One S. It's the same Greek word. It's the same Greek word. Which means you are to love one another with the same measure and to the same degree that Jesus loves you. Like, I thought this was just a message about how awesome I was. <laughs> you are to love one another with the same quality and the same quantity of love that you were loved, which means you are to love freely, which means you are to love one another without cost, without cause, and without caution. You are called to love one another without cost, without requiring payment. Well, you know, if I'm going to love you, you, you've got to do this for me first. No, no, no. can't be us. You have to love without cause, without requiring a reason. Well, I, I, I love them if that... No, 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 no. That's not how you were loved. Come on. You, it, this room was all full of energy and happiness when I was telling you you were loved this way, but now that I tell you you got to love other people this way, it's like... I don't really know if that's... Can we look at the Greek? And here's the one, in the same way, this is the one I think where the rubbery really meets the road without caution, without, without requiring a guarantee. Well, pastor, you don't understand, I, my last church, this person did this and this and this, and this so I, I'm, I just really can't, I, no, I'm too. <laughs> you wanna swap church suck stories, I win. Because <laughs> here's the deal. Just, just, this, this is just, I, I should have a stool up here because this is going to, I need to calm down. You, you, you guys have church wound stories, right? Everybody does. If you've been around long enough, we're, you know, the Bible says that we are earthen vessels, and I think that's mistranslated because I think it really means crackpots. Um, and you get a bunch of cracked pots around each other, and they're going to scrape each other, right? <laughs> like, it's just what happens. It's not what's supposed to happen. Amen? doesn't have to happen, but it's what happens. So you've got those, and then you also have stories about getting hurt at your job, right? And people that be mean to you at your job, yeah. And then you have some with like your close friends that hurt you, yeah. All that is church for me. <laughs> so I win. <laughs> and, and please, I know I'm, 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 I'm being funny, but I'm not trying to make light of, of church hurts. I get it. I'm saying I get it. What I'm saying is, <laughs> he doesn't say love one another unless they're mean. Love one another unless they voted for the wrong person. Love one another unless they disagree with you on whatever your current issue is. Love one another unless they put pineapple on their pizza. I wish that was in there. Because it's an abomination. And listen, if you like it, that's fine. Like it. America means you're entitled to your wrong opinion. I, I, I'm so grateful for that because the moment I have a wrong opinion, I'll be able to use that. Um, so we are called, come on, to love without caution. This is, I, I really think this is where the church has got to answer this call. Because I think 
here's what, here's what I want to make sure. I want to make sure they get this. This is the reality. Your capacity to give this kind of love is directly tied to your capacity to receive this kind of love. Let's, 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 not, let's not miss this, because here, here's the danger, right? The danger is we're back into works. Okay, I have to love people like this. <laughs> you can't. The only way for you to love people like this is for you to be a conduit of this kind of love. Because how, what kind of, we talked about this earlier. I, you thought I was just wasting time. You are loved with a, with, a, with, a, with a divine, supernatural, Trinitarian, remember, extraterrestrial love. You are terrestrial, so you don't have extraterrestrial love within your own being. So therefore, you must, you must become a recipient of this kind of love in order to be a giver of this kind of love. So, so, so listen, listen, listen. Why am I spending so much time harping on how much you're loved? Is it to give you goosebumps during worship? Or is it to qualify you to give you the authority and the ability to love that way? Do you now get why we have to understand what commandment means? It's not just here's the list of rules, like, do it. You have to do this. That's, that's not, listen, that's not ultimately, that's not what's underneath that word. I'm not, I'm not diminishing or denying Jesus' authority to command his people to do something. I'm trying to get our brains out of this, this Babylonian Western uh, merit system that we're raised in, thinking that this is like another report card thing. No, he's saying, look, my commandment, if you, if you abide in my love, it's, it's, it's too much for you to handle. It goes beyond your capacity to contain it by design so that you will spill it out on everybody else. So you not loving people, listen, I love you. If you struggle with loving people this way, it is because you have not yet been won over by this kind of love. You go, well, in worship, I feel like really warm and fuzzy. Awesome. I'll, I'll, I'll take a double dose of that, right? I, I mean, I'm the only, I have no, no problem with it. But I'm telling you, that is not ultimately what I mean by you are the object of divine affection. What I mean is you're so convinced that even, even the moment of your mess up, you still know you're loved. And here's what I'm going to tell you. You will continue to mess up until you know, even in the moment of your mess up, that you are still loved. In the middle of the fall, going like, no, 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 I'm loved. This is not, this, this, this is, this is not who I am. And then giving this kind of love becomes the most natural thing in the world for believers to do. This is why I say, I'm not going to stand up here and claim that the church is this wonderful, awesome, nobody ever gets hurt, but I am going to stand up and say, the church doesn't have to be that way. She doesn't. Because I, I don't know about you, but I think when, 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 when the Bible says that the father got a bride for his son, and she's pure and spotless, I don't think that's a future state, I think that's a current state. And I think we got to learn how to live from that current state. The church should be and is the most loving place you could ever be. Amen. 
And that love has to be given freely. Your capacity to give love is directly tied to your capacity to receive love. Let's flip that around. Your capacity to receive love is directly tied to your capacity to give love. It's, it's, It's the circle dance again. It's all tied together. So, so let's, let's land here. You are freely loved by God. It's what I call beloved. You're beloved. It's who you are. But I've done, I don't, I, 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 but you don't know what I've done. No, the problem isn't that I don't know what you've done. The problem is that you don't know what he's done. And here's part of what he's done. He's called you beloved. You are loved by God. You. Not, 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 listen, not somebody else, not, not, not the person next to you, not you in the, not future you. Come on. This is what I believe for years. God loves future me. He tolerates, he, he forgives past me. He tolerates present me and he loves future me. Because future me has all my stuff together. That's why present me keeps putting off everything, procrastinating, because future me can figure that stuff out. Future me is smarter and better looking than present me. As time goes on, I learned that that's very not true. Because the older I get, the better I was. (laughs) Talk to anybody who played sports in high school. The older they get, the better they were. You are freely loved by God. Hear that, hear that, hear that, hear that, hear that. Don't hear it, hear it. I, I know, I know, I know, I can, I can literally see a bunch of you like just like the gears are just grinding, trying to figure out, well, I mean, maybe if I could stop trying to justify it in your head and let it go deep down. Let it... I'm a big proponent. Y'all should know this about me by now. We've been doing this long enough. I am, I am a big proponent of not checking your brain at the door when you come to church. There is also a need to understand that some things are beyond our understanding. And those things still need to be received. And as long as, some, for some of you, for some of you, listen, for some of you, I love you, I'm pastoring you right now. For some of you, you have not experienced or received the love of God because you're still trying to do mental gymnastics around it. <laughs> I'm here to tell you, 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 there is no gymnastic trick you can do. Right? Like, like, like I, would, I would venture to say, I might be wrong, I would venture to say that no one in this room can squat a thousand pounds. Right? You, you don't have the capacity to bear it. You, you, can, you, can, you can spend all your time you want trying to get up to that, but most of, most of us in the room don't even have the genetic capability to do that. Probably because less than 0.1% of people on the planet do. What I'm telling you is the love of God is a thousand pound squat. It's not designed for you to do it. It's designed to kill you. I love you. This is the gospel. The love of God is designed to drown you. The love of God is an ocean raging designed to kill you. 
It's not, it's not a cup of water designed to quench your thirst. It's an ocean designed to drown you. Let's stand to our feet. That's a good place to end. <laughs> Praise God. So, so here's, here's, where, here's, where I wanna, here's where I wanna land this morning. I wanna, I wanna land in a similar place that we got to actually during worship. Um, we're gonna respond different this morning. And I, this part I, I didn't really plan, but we're gonna do it anyways. We respond, celebration, contemplation, communion. Celebration, we sing, rejoice in the Lord. Contemplation, we, 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 let, we let that, come on, we let it try to travel as far as it can from our heads down to our gut, amen? Communion, we commune one with another in prayer. Partake in the Lord's table, also known as communion, right? So we take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup and partake. We have gluten-free on both sides. We have curing communion in the back if that's what you would prefer. But here, here's where I want to move a little bit different. And, and ministry team, if you're here, and elders in the room, if you're here, I'm going to free you up to, to do this differently. I really feel like we've got to get this reality that we cannot love this way until we have been loved this way. And that, that receiving of that love, listen, 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 that receiving of that love cannot just be an intellectual thing because then we'll just love each other intellectually. I think maybe part of the reason why we want to just make it an intellectual thing is that I can just love you mentally. But we, we're called to love each other actually. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. As I have loved you, love one another. This is something, listen, this is just something we are called to experience. And so here's, here's what I want to challenge people in. If you have not ever or have not in a while or would just be honest with yourself and with the Lord and say, I'm in need of a fresh experience of his love. We're going to take communion, so we need to let, make sure there's room. But I want to invite people, not, listen, listen. I'm not trying to be weird. I'm trying to push us in a way, because if we want. <laughs> Einstein said that doing the same thing over and over again and expecting to get a different result is the definition of insanity. So what I'm trying to do is, is give us permission to maybe do something a little different. So what I'm telling you is this, if, if you're here and you would say, I've never experienced the love of God, it's been a long time since I've experienced the love of God, I'm in need of a fresh experience of the love of God. I'm gonna open up this altar and I believe that as you come forward, whether you kneel, whether you wanna stand, whatever you, whatever you need to do, I believe God wants to, like the passion says, melt hearts. I believe he wants to melt hearts. And so ministry team, if you're here and people are up here and you want to come forward and pray for people, leave them alone. You don't need to talk to them. If you want to lay hands on them, pray for them. Elders, if you're here and you want to do that as well, we're going to free up the room to do, free up our teams to do that. But I really feel like God wants to visit some people with his love this morning. So Holy Spirit, we make space. in a hurry this is not the part of the service that we rush through we're not rushing you you're not rushing us we declare this is a moment for those in desperate need of a personal encounter and experience with the love of God 
I, I, I prophesy right now this experience that us experiencing and expressing the love of God is the thing that's going to keep your kids' hearts tender toward you and the Lord. Us learning to love this way. Come on. Us learning to receive and give this kind of love. It's what's going to keep your kids tender toward you and toward the Lord. This is the kind of love that's going to heal marriages. This is the kind of love that's going to win the lost. This is the kind of love that builds the church. Ultimately, this is the kind of love that sees the kingdom come to earth. We want to say it's signs and wonders. Look, all that's great, but if we don't have love, we might as well just bang symbols all day long. That's the Bible. If you don't have love, you're just a clanging symbol. You're just noise. Could it be, beloved, that the reason why the church is so ineffective is because we don't know that we're loved, so we can't love. We've been loving with an inferior love. So let's get bold and let's believe that we're beloved. Let's let him prove to us that we're beloved. Let's, let's, make, let's take a, a, a step. Let's take a movement. Let's, let's get out of our comfort zones and let him show us. I think in this moment, as, as you come forward, God's going to give, yes, just general experiences, but I think he's going to give visions. I think he's going to give prophetic words. I think he's going to move in your heart. And we're going to be able to really make this a summer of love. We're going to be able to learn how to love each other. So Holy Spirit, we give you, we give you free reign to come. Whether, whether for the first time or the 5,000th time, to demonstrate your love to your people this morning. To those far from you, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would, you would show yourself as kind and good and loving and that repentance and faith would be granted to those far from you today and they would, they would no longer make themselves your enemy, but they would realize that you have made them your family. That when they rejected you and when they rebelled against you, you came and you redeemed them, you ransomed them, you reconciled them, you have made them in you the righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus, come, show forth your love today. Show forth your love today. Prove your love today. In Jesus' name, church, let's respond to the Lord.